today on The Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. We begin with our monthly town hall meeting with Mayor Fred Eisenberger. Again, it's your opportunity to speak to the mayor, ask any questions you might have. So it's the time to call 905-645-3221, or you can call star 9900 on your cell. Has been a busy week municipally, so thanks to Mayor Fred for making time for us this morning. Good morning, Mayor Fred. Good morning, Shona. How are things this morning? Oh, awesome. <laughs> the sun shines. This is a good thing. It is a very good thing. It, yeah, it's ha- it, it has been a very busy week for you, sir. It has. It's uh, been uh, chock full of uh, interesting and complicated decisions. But, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a city. Uh, a lot of things happen in our city. And certainly uh, we're up for uh, dealing with those challenges on an ongoing basis. So we'll continue working on that. Well, one of the first things that happened this week was that the first phase of public hearings for the Red Hill Valley Parkway inquiry got underway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. Uh, obviously, uh, City Council asked for this uh, public inquiry, a judicial inquiry, I guess uh, is the official name, uh, to uh, to clear up, uh, you know, any concern or, or uh, you know, issues around uh, reports and the friction testing on the Red Hill Valley Parkway. Uh, some 72,000 documents have been delivered to the uh, Commission Council, and uh, uh, there is a few documents that are being contested as a result of uh, solicitor-client privilege, which is pretty normal through these uh, judicial inquiry processes. So an independent judge will be looking at the veracity of uh, keeping those uh, private and confidential. And so uh, it'll be an interesting process. I know uh, many staff will be involved uh, through interviews and, uh, and many elected of- officials, including myself, will be uh, part of the, uh, the interview process uh, before the Commission Council. And uh, hopefully we'll come out of this with some uh, recommendations to prevent this kind of consternation and or uh, challenges around reports not being uh, advanced uh, in our in our community and that seems to be the central theme of uh, of the uh, the concern one of the things that i find interesting from a news perspective is that the second phase of this inquiry is going to start this fall it will be mm-hmm. taking a look at whether or not um the friction levels of the roadway had an impact or a bearing on uh, some of the accidents, a few of which were fatal. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's going to be unfolding in the fall, just as we're heading into the municipal elections. Yeah, I mean, uh, no, you know, there's no way to avoid that. Uh, you know, once, once we've decided to, to, to uh, you know, have a judicial inquiry, the, uh, it's really in the hands of uh, the, the, the commission judge and their, their uh their lawyers in terms of the speed and uh, and uh, pace of how they're going to do their inquiry. So we have no control over that whatsoever. And, uh, you know, I have no, uh, personally, I have no concerns around, uh, you know, testimony that we're going to provide. And certainly, uh, you know, we want to hear and understand and appreciate uh, as well. Uh, members of council were very concerned about uh, the, the fact that, uh, you know, this report that uh, is in question, uh, wasn't advanced to uh, to uh, a higher level in the uh, administration, and so uh, you know we'll see what, uh, what 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 ensues. And of course, there's you know the, the report actually identified some ambiguity around uh, the whole friction testing issue, and that's certainly something that's uh, been put into question as well. So hopefully, we'll get some answers around that. And the fact that it's happening, uh, you know, at the same time as uh, an election campaign campaign is ongoing, we absolutely have no control of, and I, I personally don't have a problem with. 
Okay. Uh, One of perhaps the most surprising votes by city council this week was the split vote that ended up not ending the vaccine mandate, uh, Mm. which could mean about 500 staff are going to be let go, perhaps. Perhaps, uh, you know, there's a there's an easy solution to to that problem, and that is to uh, to get vaccinated. Uh, you know, we every medical officer of health nationally, provincially and locally have uh, have continued to advocate for vaccine as the solution to uh, protecting ourselves against this uh, virus. And certainly the city of Hamilton about six months ago, uh, you know, set out a policy that said that uh, if you are to vaccinate it by June the 1st, uh, uh, then uh, city employees could be and, and would be terminated. And, uh, you know, that policy has been in place for six months. Uh, obviously, things have changed, but the reality is that what hasn't changed is that uh, there are still major concerns around the increasing cases in our community. There's still major concerns around hospitalization and the, the stress that it's creating in the hospital sector and system. And, uh, and, and the bottom line is that the city of Hamilton as an employer has a responsibility to provide a safe and healthy workplace. And so all of those factors came into, into play. And yeah, it was a narrow vote, uh, a difficult one. Uh, no one should take any pleasure in this at all. I'm not, I'm not really looking to fire anyone. But the reality is that uh, there's a requirement to get vaccinated. And we, uh, unless you have a medical exemption, a, an, a, an identified a documented medical uh, uh, exemption, then we expect that uh, all of our employees get vaccinated. So folks can stand on principle if they choose, but the reality is that uh, that has consequences and hopefully people will do what, uh, you know, the vast majority of our population has done, which is the right thing, uh, you know, for them individually, as well as on behalf of our community and get vaccinated. We're in conversation with Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger. This is your chance to ask questions of the mayor. This is his monthly town hall. And the phone lines are open at 905-645-3221, or you can call on your cell at star 9900. There has been some pushback, Mr. Mayor, as I'm sure you're well aware, certainly first from the ATU Local 107, the union for the uh, HSR drivers. Uh, They're not happy with the decision. They say it goes against the recommendations of legal staff and could wind up being very expensive for the city. In fact, uh, this is what uh, ATU boss Eric Tuck had to say. Almost every other major uh, institution in Hamilton, including Mohawk College and McMaster University, along with the federal and provincial governments, have all dropped their mandates. So for for city council to go against staff recommendations on this issue, uh, in my view, is simply a waste of taxpayers' money. What's your reaction? Well, I mean, I think there's a, it, it kind of misses the point that, uh, that uh, you know, there's an expectation that, uh, that the vaccine is going to be the solution for us uh, working our way through this pandemic. Uh, there, are, there are negative effects as a result of unvaccinated folks, uh, you know, in, intermingling with folks that are vaccinated and, and unvaccinated, uh, you know, individuals are much more likely to have significant harm and end up in hospital. And that certainly is a is a negative effect on the workplace. So we, you know, we if we won't have those individuals working for us because they're now in the healthcare system or are lingering with long COVID or all kinds of other complications as a result of that, which in my view is unnecessary. If there's no medical reason for them not to take the vaccine, then there is a preventative cure that could prevent all of that. 
And so uh, I don't I don't know that uh, that um, you know we are we are going we I know that we are going to get challenges from <clears throat> the unions and uh, there may be arbitration involved uh, you know at some point, but the the, the bottom line solution for everyone that uh, doesn't have a medical exemption is uh, do what the vast majority of our population has done for all the right reasons, get vaccinated. So I I, I understand that uh, you know. The union representatives have to, uh, you know, uh, represent their union members. I get that. I understand that. There's a process by which that is done. Uh, we'll follow that process. And at the same time, we encourage those that um, have not yet gotten vaccinated to uh, to get started and, uh, you know, protect yourself and our community and our, our you know, corporate entity from uh, from this vaccine. Uh, from June, this, uh, virus, I should say. <laughs> June 1st is uh, the deadline. Um, any unvaccinated staff at that point, um, the intention is for them to be let go. But if the ATU is seeking arbitration under the Labor Relations Act, um, will that be held in abeyance until there's a decision on that? Or will the firing... Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I, no, I, th- I think that, that uh, you know, once, once that June deadline comes around and we folks haven't made efforts to get vaccinated they uh, they will be they will be terminated uh and then the arbitration process and uh, and the you know appeals and uh grievances uh you know will likely happen and uh, and then hearings after that so uh, i would say uh you know they're uh, they're they're going to be in for a bit of a you know a difficult ride if they choose to uh, you know wait for the arbitration process uh, again i would say you know there's a you know relatively simple solution to this which is uh, Get started on your vaccine. Uh, we have a caller on the line. Paul is joining us now. Uh, he has a question about the Tiny Homes Initiative. Paul? Yes, thank you so much. Uh, good morning, Mayor Fred. Uh, pleased morning, to be speaking with you. Um, yeah, so I, I know that Kitchener has had a great result in their Tiny Homes Initiative for getting people off the streets. And I know that uh, we've been throwing around uh, the idea of Sir John A. McDonald, but because of being flooding issues, uh, that hasn't worked out for the present time. So obviously we all see the increasing issue out there of people on the street, and I volunteer at a church uh, in the street ministry, and I just wanted to see what the plans coming up are for uh, the tiny homes that uh, has been so successful in Kitchener, it seems, even though I haven't visited there yet, but I'd love to do so. Uh, I have. Uh, I did visit in uh, Kitchener, and you know, it's uh, it, you know, you you can. I guess you, we can measure success differently, but that you know, there 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 seems to have been a a permanence to the you know the kind of uh, industrial park location that they've uh, located. So so many of the residents that uh, were intending to be the, uh, temporary in that location have become quite permanent over the last three years. That's a concern. But having said that. Uh, we're not a barrier to uh, the tiny homes approach. So if, if, if we can collectively find a location that uh, is suitable to, uh, to, to help uh, make this happen, we're, gonna, we're not going to stand in the way of that. At the same time, we uh, continue to work with uh, Homes for Heroes because one of the, uh, my understandings is that many of the homeless folks that are out in our communities are veterans. And Homes for Heroes has a very well-defined uh, plan to, uh, to build uh, purpose-built uh, facilities for them that they will uh, manage and operate. And so we're looking for land for that as well, as well as the ongoing work that we're doing to get people uh, safely housed on a day-to-day basis. So all of that work continues. Uh, we're, we're not a barrier to uh, the tiny homes process. It's really a matter of finding an appropriate location that uh, 
is accepted by community and is accepted by, uh, you know, obviously the working folks that are going to be manning this, uh, this process. The challenge is for all of these situations is the wraparound services that are going to be necessary. And we, we know when we have an application into the provincial government for funding for those wraparound services for mental health and addictions. And if we get that, uh, we can house a hundred uh, homeless individuals almost immediately in, in facilities that we already have. And so there are, there are a number of challenges here that we're trying to overcome and we're, we're firing on all of those directions to, to see if we can uh, have more positive outcomes for some of those folks that are living rough in our community. Great. Thank you so much for your help. Okay, Paul. Thank you. Paul, thank you for your call, and that means uh, we have a phone line open at 905-645-3221 or on your cell at star 9900. Joining us now is Matt, and uh, Matt has a question about the Unvac City employees question. Matt, go ahead. Hey, Mr. Mayor. Um, yeah, I'm the gentleman who uh, delegated to uh, GIC a couple of weeks back to talk about this exact same issue. And, you know, I really just have to ask the question, after all this time, after we know that, uh, you know, getting your vaccination doesn't really stop the spread of COVID, it doesn't stop the infection, and the vaccine wears off after this time, why are you so insistent on um, just, you know, repeating this, this line of it's the right thing to do, it's the, it's the you know, community citizen thing to do, when, you know, at the end of the day, you are costing the city of Hamilton a ton of money in rehiring, retraining for these positions. You're opening us to risk of legal action here. This just doesn't make sense. I'm asking you, Mr. Mayor, will you please reconsider this nonsensical plan of yours? Like, Okay, thanks. Uh, thanks, Matt. I appreciate that. And you did delegate on this thing. And I uh, we, we'll agree to disagree on that, uh, th- th- this very point. Uh, I, I don't agree with you that this is nonsensical. This is very serious. Uh, the, uh, the getting the vaccine is a serious matter, and I don't take it lightly, nor should anyone else. Uh, getting the vaccine does prevent a significant harm and, and health care issues, especially for, for those that have underlying health issues already. And so there is value in the vaccine. And I I, I hope you're agreeing with that because the the reality is that as a result of this vaccine being broadly available right now, many folks have not ended up in the hospital with very serious health issues. It's now been relegated to a four or five day inconvenience, which is beneficial. So no, it doesn't prevent folks from getting, uh, you know, COVID, but it certainly prevents folks from uh, getting seriously ill or ending up in hospital. So that's a benefit. <clears throat> so surely you wouldn't want to obviate that benefit uh, going forward. Uh, I, I, I said right from the very beginning, and I've been saying this for two and a half years now, that people need to get vaccinated. Our medical officer of health continues to say that the path forward on all of these issues relative to COVID is vaccination. Uh, the Ontario medical officer of health has said exactly the same thing, as has the federal uh, medical officer of health. In each and every case, it's get the vaccine. That's the path forward to protecting yourself, your community, our economy, our healthcare system. So uh, I'm not going to move away from that. I think it's an important issue. Uh, it's a it's a difficult one for sure, uh, but there's an easy solution, and the easy solution is for those that are not yet vaccinated, get vaccinated. 
Uh, we're going to take a short break on 900 CHML in Hamilton, 980 CFPL in London. We'll have more with our town hall with Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger when we come back. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. We're in the midst of our town hall, our monthly town hall, with Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger, and we're getting right to your questions. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for hanging in. I really appreciate you being on hold for so long. And you have a question for the mayor about condo parking. Yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of buildings uh, going up and a lot of condos and apartments and things. And uh, there's a proposed one on 55 Queen Street North, and it's only got about 47 or 48 percent parking capacity there's going to be like 700 and something units and whatever the parking spots are so um it's not enough parking spots like i know that the the city wants to propose these these rules to force people into public transit but it's not people are going to buy vehicles and they're going to flood the streets uh with parking so you know there's there's mothers and, and families and stuff that that can't get parking in the building that they live in so i think if a building's going up and it has 500, you know, one or two bedroom units or whatever, it should have minimum 500 parking spots. Plus, they should take into account, you know, accessible parking and, and things like that, some extra spots for that. But, but yeah, uh, allowing uh, condos and these buildings to go up uh, despite, you know, uh, despite, like, you know, and not enough parking spots for everyone in the building, people are still going to buy vehicles, and it's just going to cause parking havocs uh, in the area, like, the building I live in has 85% parking capacity, and we have we have waiting lists. There are people that can't get parking, so so they and they still have cars. They park on the street, so because public transit just doesn't work for everybody. So it's, you know, some oh, fair enough, have a car. and that that's uh, that's true, Brian. And I I, I guess one of the uh, the challenges we have is that we know that uh, that not everybody is opting for vehicles these days. So we're, there's some some evaluation and study that happens around what the parking uh, you know needs and requirements would be on average for folks that are occupying these buildings so not everybody gets a car but but many people do so that is taken into account but i you know what it uh, it may it may offer you know some additional challenges on street that uh, that we're going to have to deal with and we do need more more parking facilities as these buildings go up they need they are required to provide parking it's not 100% uh, the, the the percentages have changed, uh, you know, over time based on public transit and other options. But uh, but we uh, are not looking to not accommodate the vehicles that are out there. So uh, we're trying to create that balance. And it's possible that we're not getting it 100% right in every location, but uh, that's certainly the effort. Parking lot, there's a parking lot out back of City Hall, and you guys, you know, uh, people can't park there because you guys have deemed those spots only used for for staff, and that parking lot's empty all the time. So, you know, there's been times I've gone to City Hall and can't get a parking spot because you know the parking spots that are available are full, and the ones that city staff have available are completely empty, and we're not allowed to use them. So, it just seems like you you accommodate yourselves quite well, but uh, you you don't take care of the citizens. Well, that, that isn't the case, Brian. So, so to be fair, uh, you know, the last few years have been an anomaly. The uh, you know the I mean, I, I've been the only car in the parking lot uh, for the last uh, two years, you know, based on COVID. So I don't know that the uh, COVID years are an indicator of what uh, would normally happen. We, we are now ramping up again with uh, staff coming into uh, City Hall. The parking lots are filling up uh, fast. And, and normally we have a shortage of staff parking. We have to move them to other locations. And that, uh, I expect, will continue to be the uh, the ongoing challenge that we're going to have to face once we ramp up to kind of full occupancy uh, again 
So uh, we're not uh, we're not looking to accommodate ourselves. We're looking to accommodate the people that are employed here to make sure that they have a place to park when they uh, go to and from work. So uh, you know, I, I take your point on the on the parking issues, and I'll, I'll certainly uh, raise that with uh, with our planning staff. I mean, it's a consideration for every uh, new development that we uh, we uh, you know approve. The, those parking issues are are critical. Uh, as is the uh, you know the public transit issues, and so we're trying to balance out the two. So we'll uh, you know if if there are specific locations, Brian, that you believe are you know particular challenges in terms of on street parking, I, I'd like to hear about them, and maybe you can call our office and give us those specific locations. This is uh, Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger's town hall meeting on 900 CHML in Hamilton. And uh, you can get to the phone lines at 905-645-3221 or on your mobile at star 9900. Rick has been very, very patient uh, and waiting to ask his question with regards to new stoplights at Upper James. Rick, go ahead. Hi, Mayor Fred. How are you doing? Good, Rick. Thank you. Uh, um, I've got a couple questions. Uh, the stoplights, Upper James, a... The new one at Glanier Drive, which has been in operation six months, worked properly for about three weeks. Every time it rains, it screws up. I've watched, I've called it in a number of times. Mm-hmm. And uh, I see another one uh, at uh, White Church Road as well is screwed up. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not giving priority to Upper James. I drive heavy truck up and down there. Right. And you can basically get stopped everywhere between Rimmel Road and Highway 6. Mm-hmm. And so what, what was the first up, location you mentioned? Uh, Glenair Drive. Glenair? Yep, the new one they put up just across okay. the Mitsubishi dealer. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, gotcha. Uh, okay, it, and then the other one is White Church Road. It, yeah, okay. the other one is White Church. But it sits okay. there, it, the, the one at Glenair will sit and change, nothing coming, all times of the day, yep. and then uh, you sit there and wait. So it's a timing yeah. issue. Oh, it's no, it's a sensor issue. Uh, okay, I will, I will, I will double check with uh, with our staff on that. I'll certainly, uh, you know, highlight these locations and let them know and yeah. ask them yep. to uh, review the uh, the sensor and timing issue. And hopefully, we can improve upon uh, your your available your your access through that space. Well, it, you know, it's me. I drive a heavy truck. There's all yep. the uh, slag haulers going up there that started mm-hmm. dropping. You know, mm-hmm. and being fuel at two bucks a liter. It uh, yep. doesn't help with a heavy truck because they use a lot more. Yep. My, my, my next issue is one of your dangerous intersections, uh, Airport and Upper, Upper James. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I saw the ultimate last week with the new Tim Hortons there. Mm-hmm. Somebody decided they needed to get their Timmies, decided to go the wrong way down Upper James to drive in the exit. Mm-hmm. They moved the pylon so they could get in. I've just about hit about three different vehicles there just because where did you come from all of a sudden? Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Uh, I'm not familiar with the new uh, new Tim Hortons up there. Where is that at? Uh, airport in Upper James. Right on the corner? Right on the corner. Oh, okay. And uh, like some of the gate, you know, the access to it, it, right. it doesn't make sense. Like I've been brake checked for somebody yep. trying to get in there. Um but I say the ultimate was the person that decided that they were going to circumvent the stoplight and drive the wrong, wrong way down Upper James. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, uh, that, uh, that's a dangerous uh, practice, and certainly we can't, uh, we can't condone that. So I will, uh, again, I'll, I'll uh, ask our staff to have a look at the access points there and make sure that they're safe. Okay, thank you, sir. Okay, thanks, Rick. Appreciate the call.
We do appreciate the call, and that means the phone line is open at 905-645-3221 or on your mobile at star 9900. We're now going to Eric, who has a question with regards to the urban boundary. Good morning, Mr. Mayor. Good morning, Eric. I hear a lot of discussion about the urban boundaries, and what is the definition of the urban boundary? Where exactly are the urban boundaries? Uh, well, I mean, there's a, there's a line. Uh, I, can't, I can't give you a chapter and verse on, on exactly where the line is, but, you know, ob- obviously it's, uh, you know, in and around uh, Centennial Parkway, uh, skirts over to, uh, you know, basically 20 Road and comes down 20 Road. And, uh, you know, there's some urban boundary lines in Ancaster and some in, uh, in, in and around Flamborough and Waterdale. So okay. I'd, have to, I'd have to show you the map. Okay, well, uh, that, gives, that gives me a good uh, idea. Because yeah. I, I always thought the urban boundary coincided with the, uh, the sign saying you're entering the city of Hamilton and so on. No, no, okay. no, no, that's, that, that's an indicator of you being in the municipality. But, you know, we, uh, we are 75% agricultural land, which is excluded from the urban boundary area. So urban, urban being the built up, built form. Uh, so it, it is about 25% of our land mass and, uh, 75% is still very much in, in agriculture. So we, you know, we, it's not like we don't have room. Uh, I think there's a desire to, uh, to create more intensification and stop the urban sprawl, uh, which is expensive. Yeah. Uh, you know, as you, the, the more you grow out, uh, the more services and infrastructure you have to put in. So it, it's a it's a an attempt to create a, a more sustainable municipality okay. that uh, you know respects an urban boundary for you know a reasonable period of time at some point. Yeah, okay. no, I, I totally understand what you're saying because I always thought if the urban boundary is where these signs are, there's a lot. No, you could no, that's not that's not where the signs are. But uh, I can certainly send you a map if you're interested as to exactly where the lines are. Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks, Eric. Thank you for your call, Eric. 905-645-3221 if you have any questions. For Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger, you can also access uh, our phone lines if you dial star 9900. Deborah's been waiting on the line, and she has a question with regards to motorcycle parking. Hello, Mayor Fred. Hello, Deborah. Um, my question is about motorcycle parking. Um, the city of Toronto allows for free motorcycle parking at parking meters. And I was wondering if that was something the city of Hamilton would consider, certainly with the cost of gas and the cost to our environment, riding motorcycles and Vespas are better and for us. And I was curious if it was something that they would consider. Uh, it's something they consider in specific locations, I would think. Uh, I think that's what they do in Toronto, if my memory serves me well, like that, that you're, you know, there are specific locations where you're allowed to park uh, motorcycles and they, they're identified. So it's certainly, that's certainly a possibility, not, not unlike what we do with, uh, with bicycle parking. And, uh, you know, many, uh, many of the downtown urban parking spaces are now kind of being consumed by, you know, uh, patios, which, uh, which is interesting. So we, we are a little bit more limited for on-street parking. But I, I, I think it's worthy of consideration in, in specific locations. Thank you. 
Thank you for your call, Deborah. That means Thanks, we Deborah. have some uh, phone lines open at 905-645-3221, or you can uh, use star 9900 on your mobile phone if that's uh, easier for you to do. Mayor Fred, uh, the city issued a news release yesterday, and, and I remember when this issue came up the first time, there were some raised eyebrows about 9-11, or make that 7-11s uh, in Ontario and a few here in Hamilton that want to start serving alcoholic drinks in their facilities, and uh, the city is going to try and oppose that. We are, and, uh, you know, I think it's a terrible idea, quite frankly. Uh, you know, having, uh, you know, people drive to a convenience store and then, uh, you know, sit at a bar or a counter and uh, you know, knock back a few drinks and then drive away, I think is a, is a lousy idea. Uh, you know, it's not like there isn't availability in other locations for people to, to do that safely. Uh, so, what you know, one of the... One, people don't realize that one of the highest substance abuse challenges that we have in our community, over and above drugs of any sort, is alcohol. Domestic abuse issues, uh, 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 you know, obviously uh, health health issues relative to you know heavy drinking and intoxication. It is off the charts relative to other substance abuse challenges that we have out there. So making alcohol more available in in this kind of way actually exacerbates the problem, doesn't help the problem. So, uh, you know, we are, we are, you know, significantly concerned about uh, the direction that the, uh, the province or or the, this issue that the province is looking at that uh, allows for convenience store alcohol consumption, not just sales, but consumption. And uh, hopefully they don't go down this road because it uh, it could continue to exacerbate a problem that we already have. That it's, it's, it's the largest, single largest substance abuse problem there is, which is alcohol. Well, it also seems like they are uh, leapfrogging on the issue. I mean, we don't have beer and wine in corner stores, but 7-Elevens want to be able to serve you a beer with one of those hot dogs that's been on those rollers for 12 hours. <laughs> I think you just made a statement about the quality of those hot dogs. <laughs> Look, I, you know, I, I have nothing against convenience stores. They're they're important. Uh, you know, they're they're you know short term shopping for needs that you have when uh, you know the grocery stores are closed in other areas. I don't think they need to get into alcohol consumption, uh, sales or on site uh, you know, consumption. Now, that just seems to be illogical. Uh, for a kind of grab-and-go location, which basically most of the convenience store stores are. Many of the convenience stores are actually, you know, situated at, uh, at gas stations. So gas station and, uh, and you know, uh, on-the-run uh, convenience store seem to go hand-in-hand more often than not. And th- that, that is a complete recipe for, you know, encouraging people to drink and drive. So uh, I just don't see anything of value uh, going down this road, and I hope that uh, it's rejected by the uh, Liquor Control Board and uh, the agencies that are looking at this. And uh, hopefully we'll have a more rational approach to, uh, you know, how people are uh, you know, allowed to consume uh, alcohol in our community. I think there's every reason to be careful about uh, how this is dispensed and, uh, and how it's utilized in our community. Uh, Mayor, we're going to uh, the phone lines again. We have a question uh, about the green belt, and uh, so Rick, please give your message or give your question to the mayor. Hello, Mr. Mayor. How are you doing this morning? Just great, Rick. Thank you. Yeah, I live here in London, Ontario, and uh, I know both cities are suffering from the high prices of real estate. Now, dealing with the green belt, there, what I understand is that uh, originally it was formated was uh, to limit expansion within the Golden Horseshoe, or mainly just the GTA. 
Now, was that formation of the G of, of the green belt? Do you think that had anything to do, or has anything to do, with rising real estate prices within the uh, GTA area? Uh, you know, there are multiple factors I think that come into play here. Uh, I don't think the green belt is the cause. Uh, I would I would put it down to you know, extremely low interest rates have been uh, a contributing factor to you know the price of housing going through the roof. I think people were based on a monthly payment basis, uh, able to, uh, you know, afford and buy much more house and, mu- and, and maintain much more mortgage than uh, they otherwise might on, you know, interest rates that uh, maybe you and I could agree in my lifetime would have been on average seven, eight, 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 nine 9%. Uh, so now that it's, you know, hovering at one, uh, one and a half and two, uh, that, that gives them the ability to, uh, to buy a heck of a lot more and, and absorb a lot more mortgage. So, that's a contributing factor. I think uh, land supply could be a contributing factor. I don't think the green belt is uh, is is particularly the cause. Well, um, you know, I I, I think the yeah. surge in immigration certainly has been part of the the, uh, the demand uh, increase that's uh, happened in our community. So there's a multitude of factors that come into this. Yeah, well, wasn't the green belt supposed to originally act like a buffer zone to prevent any expansion further beyond the the, the boundaries? Uh, no, I was more, I think, more identified as, as at least preserving some green zone and farmlands that are, are within that. So, so the, it was more about preserving farmland than anything else yeah. uh, originally. Yeah. Uh, it was not really intended to curb, uh, you know, urban sprawl. But yeah. if, you, if you don't protect the farmland, then, then obviously urban sprawl will continue to happen, especially if you, you decide not to, you know, maintain a, an urban boundary for a period of time and just you know, freely kind of continue to expand into, you know, farmland and green space, then uh, then you're, you know, forever expanding your community and making it forever more unsustainable. Because every every time you spread out, uh, you you are demanding more infrastructure, um, more roads, more underground services, more water sewage treatment. I mean, all of that expands exponentially. So the, the idea behind, uh, you know, urban boundary, Maintaining a firm urban boundary and and and, and greenbelt is is to you know provide a bit more intensification in our community to maximize the utility out of those services. Rick, thanks so much for your question. We're going to go to Margaret now, who has a a very interesting question with regards to uh, some waste in the area. Margaret, hello, uh, good morning to both of you. I good saw morning. firsthand the seriousness of the. Uh, water that overflows uh, every time it rains instead of going to the waste um, processing plant in the Royal Botanical Gardens in two different areas uh, the week before last. And it was um, very distressing to see our beautiful gardens where we have uh, a lot of tourists come uh, there was the one area uh, at Coots uh, off the Arboretum under the bridge. You couldn't even see the water for our human waste floating on top. I hope really? there are things Margaret? being done. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it would shock and surprise me that, uh, you know, it would be all human waste that we have. It's a complex system, and it's a it's a challenging one, and uh, you know one that uh, there are no simple, quick uh, you know resolutions for. 
one of, one of the resolutions that we had put in place uh, that we were hopeful was the ultimate solution some 20 years ago was combined sewer overflow tanks. Uh, those, uh, those overflow tanks were intended to capture the high volumes that we were experiencing 20 years ago when they were installed and, uh, and hold on to it uh, so that it didn't get into creeks, uh, lakes and streams and uh, got to the sewage treatment plant when the volumes of the rain came down. What we've experienced in recent years is volumes far and exceeding the uh, the kind of anticipated volumes that these uh, facilities were designed for. They're still functioning, and we're doing the best we can with uh, with that uh, the capacity. Uh, we have increased capacity at our sewage treatment plants, uh, but the the rainstorms that we're experiencing are eclipsing that, and that's a that's a climate change issue that is going to take. You know, significant amount of resources and effort to try and overcome, and uh, we're committed to doing that. Uh, but I don't have a magic bullet solution that uh, can change that today. Margaret, I wanted to thank you for your time and your question today for Mayor Fred Eisenberger. This is the town hall with Mayor Fred. He's uh, kind enough to join us once a month and take all of your questions. And uh, we are out of time for this month's segment. So, Mayor Fred Eisenberger, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you, uh, Shauna. Have a great morning. I'm sure it'll be uh, riveting radio. (laughs) Well, thank you. I certainly hope so. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.